0: Okay, let's get started here. Today's daf, Mesech Nazir, is daf samach beis 62. We're starting the second line of the page where the words ihachi appear. We're actually going to take those words ihachi out. The gro takes those words out, so we're going to start with the next words. We're going to have three parts of today's sogya, Bez Hashem. The first part of today's sogya is going to try to understand the necessity by Erechon of Ishki Yafli. Nederber kecha. We'll see what the necessity of these words are exactly, and then we'll go through similar words that are used by Nazirus. Um, the second part of today's sugya, we're going to learn a restriction or a uh, power that exists by slaves over women, in contrast to the last mishnah, and then the Latin. We'll show the sources for that as well, and then the last part of today's sugya, we're going to learn. What's Allah if the slave runs away and he had, null- he had overridden the slaves' uh, nazirus? We'll see that also in Zamar today. So just a quick introduction here before we get started. We finished off yesterday. We were saying, <coughs> we said that <coughs> We said that when it comes to Erhan, when it comes to pledging uh, Erich value to the Mikdash, the halacha is, that a Jew could do that. But, as we explained yesterday from Drushas, since the Torah says, Dabrel Bnei Yisrael, we learn that a guy cannot pledge Erech value to the Beis HaMikdash. Um, but the word Ish was a reboy to teach us that a Goy cannot pledge value to the Beis HaMikdash, but he is able to have his value pledged to the Beis HaMikdash. Ish was a Reboi. That's, That's what we had yesterday. So the Gemara's question today is as follows. In the Parsha of Erechen, the Parsha of Erechen starts off in B'chukosai. It starts off with the words, ishkiyafli neder be'erkecha. It calls Erechen neder. Now neder, there's a general Parsha of nederim, um, which which actually appears in M-word. The Gemara is quoting over here. Now a ned- Nedarim and nedavos in general is the concept to pledge certain types of um, korbanos to the Beis Mikdash. You can make nederim or nedavos. It's specific, or you could say in general, I'm accepting on myself a... Um, it can be this animal or myself. Either way, it's different types of pledges. Now, what the Gemara is about to show is, we find, included in the parsha of Nedarim in general, is Goyim. Goyim, we're going to show, are able to pledge uh, Nedarim and Nidavos. So the question the Gemara is essentially going to ask is, if that's true, and we find they're included in Nedarim and nidavos in general, and Erechin are classified as Nedarim, so then it should emerge that it should be obvious that goyim are included in the parsha of eruchin as well, and you shouldn't need ish to teach me that goyim's value is able to be pledged to the beis hamikdash. Another way to say that is, once we know goyim are excluded from pledging value as an Erech, from dabar bnei Yisroel, right? But we know they're included in the parsha of Nidorin. And Erechin are called Nedarim, so, so there should be some inclusion. What's the inclusion? Premium. Their value can be pledged. Premium so why premium. do I need Ish then by Erechin to include them in that if that would be obvious then? So, so exactly. So let's see this inside. Second line of the page. Take out the words ihachi. <laughs> Good to see you, Shemin. The Pasik says like this. This Pasik in Bichokosai. So it starts off the Parsha of Erechin and it says, Ishkiyaf <laughs> erkicha. It says, A man who... Uh, articulates a neder of your value, so the Gemara asks, wonders, one second, but erich and Why do I need that pasuk by erichin? The ish Let us see a iskish We know that erichin is compared to nedarim, or let's say that a little differently. Is erichin is classified as nedarim? It's really classified that way. The amar because the pasuk says ish ki'afli It calls Erechen, this idea of pledging value to the Beis Mikdash Neder V'hatanya and we know the B'risa teaches us in regards to Nedarim, Gabi Nedarim, the Pasuk says in Parsha's Emor, when it talks about pledging a Nedar or a Nedava to the Beis Mikdash, it says Ish over there it uses the word Ish it actually says Ish Ish it over there in the beginning of the Parsha in Emor when it talks about these pledges to the on Mikdash of Nedarim and Nidavos, it says an extra word Ish and the Gemara explains thus: why does it say that by Nedarim and Nedavos? kochavim, which includes that even Goyim have the ability to pledge Nedarim and adavos to the Beis mikdash Shehey noder ki They could make Nedarim and adavos like a regular Jew. But if that's true, Erechan is also classified as a neder. And therefore, obviously, something's being included based on their classification as a neder. So the logical conclusion would be if they're excluded from being ma'arichin, from pledging value, from dabrel b'nei Yisrael, well then the only other thing that would be including, that would be included is the capacity to be ne'erachin, is that their value can be pledged. So asks the Gemara then, if that's true, ish ki'af li'erachin lamali, why do I need the word ish by erachin now to teach me their values can be pledged? It would come out obvious based on the classification of being an edder and a dava, of being an edder, excuse me. So now what we're going to try to figure out is, fine, so what then do we learn from Ishkiyafli by Erechin? Means what would emerge now is, morning Ricky, what would emerge now is, Ishkiyafli by Erechin is not necessary actually to teach me that goyim's value can be used to pledge an erech, to pledge erech into the Beis Hamikdash, because simply being classified as nadarim, we know they're already included for something. Well, what would be that inclusion that their value can be pledged? So now, what does ish ki'afli, by by Eirekh-Li teach us when it comes to erechin? So let's see that inside. Elahai ish mi What is ish coming to teach us? mufla mufle ish. Very interesting ish ki afli teaches us by Erechin that a mufla samach ish. What is a mufla samach ish? So we learned this earlier in the Masechta actually is that the halacha is in general, I mean general to make a legally binding transaction or pledge or any of that nature, someone has to be bar mitzvah 13 years old. But there's a chidush that we're learning now from ish ki afli is that not only can a 13 year old Jew Pledge value to the base on Nikdash, but even Mufla Samuch Leish, what does that mean? Somebody that has the mental acuity who's 12 years old. Samuch Leish means his mental, mental acuity, mental acuity mental. near being an Ish. That's the Reboy of Ish. Ish Kiafli by and teaches us that even if he's Mufla Samuch Leish, he's near legal majority, or right? he's 12 years old, or a girl, uh, 11 years old, whatever it is, the same thing they'd also have the capacity to pledge Erachin to the Beis HaMikdosh. Even that's well, well, hold on, let's see. It's not for, so simple. Not so simple. So the Gemara says, one second. So if that's the Ella. So what does is Ishki Yafli then teach us by Erachin? It's not necessary for Ne'erachin because that's derived by the simple classification as being a nedr. So then what is it necessary for? Elahai Ishmi boile. It's needed to teach us that even a 12-year-old boy who has mental acuity, he's sharp enough, can pledge Erech into the Beis HaMikdash. That's a chiddush. So the Gemara now says like this, hani de Amr, le-ish There's actually a machloikis about this. This works out if you hold, like the Shita, that the 12-year-old boy who's sharp is able to pledge his pledge. He, he's considered doirisa. His words are binding. His Nidorm are binding on a doirisa level. So it makes sense that this would be sourced in the Torah from Ish Kiafli by Erechin. But there's another opinion who says that the 12-year-old boy's ability to make these proclamations is only effective on a rabbinic level. It can't be derived from a Pasuk then because if it's derived from a Pasuk, he makes a diarisa. And if he holds this obviously it's not derived from ish ki'afli. So ish ki'afli afli So then back to the question, what does ish so ki'afli by ba'eruch and then come to teach us? So the Gemara answers, a big chiddush now the Gemara is about to say, very interesting, is that a mufla samoch le'ish of a guy, meaning a 12-year-old guy, is what? Is included. It is acceptable. It is effective. Now listen, hear this out for a second. What would emerge now is, we just said that only on a rabbinic level, according to this shita, would mufla samoch le'ish of a Jew have his words be binding. But on a da'iraisa level, learned from Ishkiyafli, we're actually saying a uh, goy's words would be binding in regards to these pledges, erachin, even on a da'iraisa level. So the Mepharish points out there are instances we find where actually more uh, we empower or are more strict on the goyim than we are on the Jews. And actually, this would be an example of that. Now the Gemara says, one second, hold on a second. This will only work out if you go one way in a machloikis. This is a very, very important point here. We learned earlier, gayim are not allowed to be ma'arichin. They're not allowed to make erich pledges altogether. Now if you go with that shita, this entire drasha makes no sense. They can't make... Erech pledges, but a mufla, twelve-year-old guy, could make an Erech pledge. That just doesn't make sense. So the Gemara quotes is actually a is an erichin. How you learn that original drasha, which we quoted on some halif Remember, it says Dabril bnei Yisrael, which excludes Goyim from erichin, but ish includes them. Right. So based on that, we said the way we learned earlier was they cannot make Erech pledges, but their value could be pledged. So now there is a shita who actually inverts those drushes, And he says like this, Da'abrel b'nei Yisrael excludes them from having their value pledged. Ish includes them, what is Ish, that they can pledge value. If you go with that shita, which by the way on the side is Rabbi Yehuda. If you go with that sheet, so you could say, yes, on a Daraisal level, they can pledge value. And on a Daraisal level, mufla Samach the 12 year old guy, can also pledge value. But if you follow Rabbi Meir, he said, Dabrel Bnei Yisrael says they're not able to pledge their value in the first They're not able to make Erech and they're not able to pledge value in the first place. Well, you can't tell me then that the 12 year old guy could pledge value. That just makes no sense. So let's read that inside. It works. You'll say a 12 year old. Goy can make an erech, can pledge value of an erech. if you go with the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. And he says that Bnei Yisroel and the Erochin their values can be pledged, but Goyim's values cannot be pledged. Yoch Ma'arichin and he, his words continue and say, maybe they can't even make Erachin, They can't even pledge value. Talmud Lomar Ish. So he learns from Ish, actually, that Goyim can make Erachin. Well, if they could make Erachin, it makes sense that you'd say, Ish Ki'afli by Erachin teaches us even a 12-year-old guy can also pledge Erechin. Fine. But the shopper that works out well. But according to a mayor, who is the ton of that price, we quoted, who teaches, B'nei Yisrael ma'arichim, he teaches, no. Jewish people could pledge Erechin, and Goyim cannot pledge Pledge Erochen at all. So, and and maybe you'd say even they, their values can't be pledged. Therefore, from Ish, he learns that a guy's value could be pledged. The problem then would emerge is the only way you'd be able to interpret this Mufle Samach Ish is in terms of their value being pledged, but not their ability to pledge value. The issue with that is you don't have to be 12 years old to have your value pledge. When it comes to Erechen, you could even pledge a, a one-month-old baby's value to the base on mikdash. So then, what would this drasha Mufla samach teach us? It doesn't make any sense anymore. And the, that's how the gemara speaks it out. Even a one-month-old baby could have its value pledged to the base on mikdash. So kiyaf li So according to Rabbi Meir, who says goyim are completely excluded from the ability to pledge value, how could it be that Ishki Afli teaches us that a 12-year-old guy could pledge value to the base on HaMikdash? So obviously that's not what Ishki Afli by erochin is teaching us. So rather, what is it teaching us? Let's go to the next step. So Amar Ravada Barahava, Ravada Barahava teaches us, very interesting. Let me, let me speak this out, and then we'll see it inside. Ravada Barahava is going to say like this. Okay, it's true. Ishki by Eruchin Again, it's not necessary to teach me that their values can be pledged because you can learn that from nidarim because they're called nidarim. Erechin are classified as Nadaram. It's also not necessary to teach me muflesamuch because a guy can't even pledge value in the in the first place. Certainly, a twelve-year-old guy cannot pledge uh, Erechin to the Beis Hamikdash. Sure. So then, what is ish uh, kiyafli necessary for in the parsha of nidar uh, of, of Erachin? So he's going to explain like this. A thirteen-year-old boy, right, that's Jewish. If he makes a proclamation, we don't actually have to check: is he a bardas? Does he have seichel? Does he have mental acuity for that to be effective? We assume he does, and it's effective. What we're going to say from Ish Kiyafli, what it teaches us actually is: when a goy proclaims a neder, nedarim or nedavos, who's thirteen years old, we actually have to go and check: does he have mental acuity? Or not. Even though with the Jew you don't have to check. Based on age, it's effective. It's enough. For a guy, you'll have to go check. Now I wanted to speak out, how do we get there? Because this Ishki kiyafli is written by erichin. How are we applying it to Nadarin? So the way Rahmer is gonna say it is the way the Umar is an answer for Rahmer is like this. By Erichin, he can't pledge Erachin in the first place. So you don't need to check because the Erich that he pledges is ineffective. But where are his words effective? He could pledge animals to the base of So, in such a scenario, we'll say is since ish as written by Erechin, it's not necessary for here, because anyways, he can make pledges of Erechin by the parsha of Erechin. So we take that verse out of context and apply it elsewhere to teach us that by Nedarim and Nidavos we will use this drasha, that you have to check him to see, even if he is a bar mitzvah, he's 13 years old, he's not bar mitzvah, he's 13 years old, but you would have to check to see, is he a bardas, does he have mental acuity? Let's read that in size. Umravada barahava this limits even if you have a guy who is uh, an illegal adult. The Afal Gav de Godol who, even though he is an adult. But he does not know how to articulate properly. He doesn't have the proper ability to articulate. He doesn't have the mental acuity low. Add in the word low. In such a scenario, his nidarim and wouldn't be effective. Again, it's using the capacity of Since you can't use that drasha in the context of Erechen, because... Agoy, was saying, can't make an Erech in the first place. He can't pledge Erech, but he could pledge Nedarim and Nedavos, so we apply this Russia there. You'd have to check to make sure that he has the ability, mental acuity, to make Nedarim and Nidavas. So the Gemara now wonders, okay, beautiful. So you've explained to me, based on these different answers, what Ishkiyafli teaches us in regards to Erech. But the thing is, we find Ishkiyafli that also comes up in the Parsha of Nizirus. Now Nazirus is also classified as Nedarim. The pasuk says, "Lindor Nedar Nazir laHazer laHashem." It calls Nazirus also Nedarim, and we know therefore that Nazirus should have the same halachas of Nedarim. If that's true, so then what do you use the Ish Kiyafli as written by Nazirus? To teach us, i.e., the same sort of question we asked by erich, and we're now asking by nazirus. That's going to be the question. So the gemara says, the This will take us to the end of the umud, So the words yafli it says ish by nazirus. What do I need that for? Meaning, whatever halachas we want to apply from nedarim to nazirus, we'd be able to do because nazirus is classified as nedarim as well. So if it's class, so what do you need now ish Kiafli of nazirus to teach me? So the Gemara says, again, the same question. <mich> <iskish> Neziras <nedarim> are compared to Nedarim, meaning nazirus are classified as Nedarim, because it says, So li So what do I need these words now? Ish li, of Nazirus to teach me. So we're going to have a couple of answers to solve this. First answer the Gemara says is, yadaim If you remember from our time in Nedarim, we spoke about this extensively. At the beginning of this Masech, we spoke about it as well. We know that the halacha is, if you want to accept uh, nazirus on yourself, right? we learned this earlier, you could say, I accept uh, Hare Alai I mean, it's the basic language. But then there's two other categories of nazirus as well. There's Kinuyim and there's Yadayim. Remember these, these three three categories, essentially, which also apply to Nedarim. But let's speak about nazirus now. In regards to Kinuyim, we said those are, are uh, made-up names or term terminologies. Um, by, chachamim or by, by the foreign languages, but yadayim are partial languages. What do you mean partial languages? So partial languages is where a person makes a proclamation. It's not a full acceptance of nazirus in terms of terminology. It's a partial acceptance. Now, there's two types of partial acceptance. There's actually three. There's one that is considered mochichos, which is clear, so then you're for sure a nazir. There's the lowest category, which is where it's good. mochichos kalal. It's completely unclear. We say that's not effective, but there's a category in the middle which are enon mochichos. They're not clear, which means it's not clear from your acceptance of partial of partial terminology of naziras that you want to actually accept naziras. So the Gemara says is like this. That would be what Ish Kiafli teaches us. Ish Kiafli by naziras would teach us that's a limitation in such a scenario where you accept naziras in a partial. Unclear terminology. Then, Aziris is not going to be effective. And the Gemara says the Itmar. How do we know this? Because there was a, am- am- a dispute. This dispute about this. Mo- that the am- there's a the machlok is When it comes to unclear partial terminologies, Abaye Amar Havi Yadayim. says those terminologies are actually effective. Rava Rava says they're not effective. So now you have to change the gears there because it only it really fits that way, and that's how the Rishonim explain. <coughs> Lirava. So the Gemara says, fine, but you've answered according to Rava. Take it, change Abaye to Rava. Lirava nicha. According to Rava, it makes sense. You've resolved. What do I use? Ishkiyafli by Naziris to teach me that a unclear partial terminology is not effective for Naziris. But according to Abaye, Michael he holds that Yadayim and mochichos are effective. So what do you use? Afli by Naziris to teach me. Ella, the Gemara says, according to Abayi, you have to say as follows. Mi this is like a chazara of, of rules we've learned already that we're going to use ish Ki'afli by Nazir is to teach me something else. What is it going to teach me? It's going to teach me the rule of Rabbi Tarfan. Remember, a while back, we had a scenario where somebody is walking towards a group of, I think it was six people, and one guy says, I'm a Nazir if that is Reuven. The other one said, I'm a Nazir that that's not Reuven. I'm a Nazir if one of you are a Nazir. I'm a Nazir, etc. It was a funny scenario. So Rabbi Tarfan's opinion over there was, none of them are Nazirim. Why are none of them Nazirim? Because lenit and nazirus el lafla, even it turns out who is Reuven or is not Reuven. Nazirus is only effective if at the time of the kabbalas nazirus, it's clear what you're doing. Here, it's not clear. Exactly. So therefore Rabbi Tarfon says, how does he know that from Ish Kiafli? He says, Since at the time of Naziros, the kabbalas Niziros, the acceptance, it's not clear that you're going to be a Nazir or not, therefore it's not going to be effective. And that's what Abai will say we learn from Ishkiafli. Let's read that inside. None of those individuals will be a nazir. Because Nazir is only effective when it is with clarification at the time of Kabbalah. So the Gemara says, This works out a nice drusha that you could say from Ish Kiafli according to Rabbi Tarfon. But according to the Rabbanan over there, the Rabbanan say, No. Whichever one's conditions fulfilled is going to be an effective Nazir. So they clearly don't use Ish afli for that drasha that it has to be clear at the time of Kabbalah. So what would they learn from Ish afli Ella, the Gemara says, it's very interesting. The Gemara is actually, it's not, it's a Mishnah in Chagiga. <coughs> the Rabbanan will use Ishki Afli by Naziros for a different drasha, And they say as follows, Heter nidarim porchen ba'avir. The Rabbanan will say like this, there's a Mishnah in uh, Meseches Chagiga that states as follows, Heter porchen ba'avir. The, the Mishnah over there is discussing certain things that are not scripturally clearly based. You don't find clear sources in the psukim for them. And the Mishnah says one of those things is heternidarem, the ability to have a chacham remove a neder that you made, it's not mefurash in the psukim. And it's actually debated over there, but the Mishnah states, heternidarem literally means porchen b'avir, means they're flying, and they're flying in the air. It means there's no clear psukim that tell us that there is a capacity to have nadarim removed that you made. There's nothing clear to rely on in the psukim. That's the Tanakhama in the Mishnah. He disagrees. He says there is a clear reference in the psukim to teach us that heter nidorim is effective. To remove an eder is effective following an eder. Because the Pasik tells us twice. So it says ish kiafli by eruchin, as we spoke out above. And it also says kiafli, a second time articulation in the parsha of Nizirus. Why does it say it twice? To teach us. For a to be effective, you have to articulate it clearly for it to be binding, and then there's another articulation that needs to be done. What is that for? Laheter, what does it mean? When you go in front of the Chacham to have your Nedrim removed or your Naziris removed, you also have to clarify what it was that you said. So, that, so therefore, Abel says there is a mikor for Ataras Nedarim, but the, what we're using it for is to show us ultimately Ishki Yafli of Naziris is the mikor for Heter Nedarim. Beautiful. Turning to Samach and Mudbez, let's go on to the second point of today's sugya. If you remember, the last mishnah, which was the first mishnah in this parak, and Samach Aleph we said women and slaves have the ability to accept Niziros. However, there's a restriction that uh, there's a power that women have over slaves. And what is that? So we said is that uh, if slaves make nedarim, uh, make naziris, excuse me, accept niziris, the master has the ability to override it. Means he could say, I know you made it. What's that? Exactly. Exactly. Enough, show, beautiful. So therefore, he has the ability to say, "I know you made a niziris against wine, but I override it." Means the niziris is still effective, but he is overriding. As opposed to the wife, we said he cannot override it. He could be mafer, but if he's not mafer, he cannot override it anymore. That's true. So the Mishnah it tells us the flip side. What is the power of slaves niziris over that of? Wife. So the Mishnah says, Homer binashim, What is the power of the restriction of slaves over women? Shehu mefer nidre i'shto. Exactly that. That he can be mefer the nidarim of his wife. The mefer nidre avdo. You cannot be mefer the nidarim or the nazirus of your slave. You can override, but you can't be mefer. And then the Mishnah concludes with the combination of those two restrictions of slaves and women, which is. Very interesting. If a man saw his wife make an Azirus and he nullifies it, he's mefer, it's completely removed forever. Following divorce or death, it still would be removed. It's entirely removed. However, now, now, hefer here has to be taken a little bit, not literally, but it means if the slave made an Azirus and the master overrode it, meaning he said, you have to drink wine, and he overrode it, so, when the slave leaves, if he's freed for some, somehow, he would still have to ba- continue his naziris because it's just a temporary override. So master, it's not a permanent override. The can, like, make him his naziris, but yes, he still
1: has to keep his at, la- at a later because point. One day
0: he's going to be free. Exactly. So if if the master would free him, the naziris would come back and be effective. Versus the wife, there's no such concept. The Gemara wants to know what's the mikor for that. Really, what's the mikor that the master can override, but at the same time the naziris remains? So let's see this inside. So, on the Brisa says like this: Lema Rabboi So, the, the Brisa says, in regards to what can a master override? Can a master force him? So the Brisa answers: For naziris, but not for Nidarim or for eruchin. Now what is that? Bepashtis, the way we're going to interpret that now is, is that if a slave makes Nazirus, the master can override that. He could say, no, you're drinking wine. But if a slave accepts Nedarim or Erechin, he cannot override that. Which means it seems like it's binding and he cannot override the Gemara is now going to want to show us, well, what is the Mikar for that? What is the Mikar that the master can override the Nazirus of his slave, but not the Nidarm or erichin of his slave? So, in Nazir, the What is the distinction by Nazir that the Torah tells us in the Parsha, in Nazirus, in Parsha's Matos? It says, La Eser Iser al Nafsho. The way we're going to interpret that is, it says, like, like, uh, like you just pointed out, Shemin, is eser Israel Nafsho, when it says in the Pasuk, creating a binding effect on yourself, b'misha Nafsho Kenuyolo, is that it's only going to be effective and not overridden with somebody who owns himself. Yotzah Evech, e'Nafsho Kenuyolo. Slave doesn't own his own body. He doesn't own himself. So therefore the Master can override that. The problem is, if you look at that Parsha's Matos, that's not talking about Naziros, that's talking about Nidorim. So, if so, then the slave's neder shouldn't be effective. He should be able to override the slave's neder as well, because that's what it's talking about in the parsha of matos, actually. So, Ravshatius tries to say it's actually a logic. It's a logical thing. Why the master should be allowed to override the nizirus and not override the neder? What's the logic? So, Shesh is going to explain as follows. If you remember, we learned the lacha if a slave accepts, sorry, if anyone accepts zeros from a cup of wine, he says, harani Nazir from this cup of wine. What's da'alacha? He becomes an entire Nazir. That's da'alacha. So the Gemara is going to say like this. Rav Shaysha says, by Nedarim, if a slave would say, I'm making a nether, prohibiting myself from this cup of wine, he could still drink another cup of wine. So, What's the concern? The master might be concerned. If he doesn't drink wine, he won't be in a good mood. He won't work as hard. Right? It's like the Russians and vodka. It's like, you know, it gives them energy. But that's not a concern because he could drink another cup of wine. So that is logical. He can't override. Yeah, well, that's that's but as opposed to Nazirus, if he says this cup of wine, I'm being a Nazir. From what's the halacha? He's right. entirely a Nazir. So it's logical that would go against the will of the Master, and he's allowed to then override. That's Rav Sheshes. He's trying to. Let's read that inside. Amr Sorry, not a cup of wine. A, a cluster of grapes was in front of him. The same idea though. Gabi in regards to nedarim mitzer bahai. When he would prohibit himself on this cluster of grapes, lo'i mitzer It doesn't prohibit him from another cluster of grapes, lo'i So that's why the master cannot override that nedar Because there's no reason that he should be able to. But Gabi mitzer bahai. But by if he would say, I'm prohibited as a nazir from this cluster, itzer There he prohibit himself in all grapes. So That would weaken him in his service. And therefore, he is allowed to override Asks the Gemara, but the Brises said a flat rule. It didn't say this particular situation you just fit in. Gabi Nadarim Mila Askidon, and therefore by Nadarim, could it not be a scenario also to Lake Maybe the scenario was there's one cluster of grapes in the house. And he made a nether from that cluster of grapes. And if he doesn't eat that one cluster of grapes, he'll be weak and he won't perform as well. So based on your logic, in that case, he should be allowed to override the, the nether. And yet the Brysa says, exactly, and yet the Brysa says he cannot override the netherim at all. So, Ela, Amar, change the word to Abaye the, the Bach changes Abaye and Rava from this and the next answer so Abaye says Abayi, another Ukimta all there was was a grape seed in front of the slave now if he says I'm prohibiting myself from, as a neder from this grape seed that's always prohibiting himself in. so there what's the grape seed going to do for him anyways there you can't override that grape seed I Meaning the nether. to Nami If he would say I'm prohibiting myself from this grape seed, he'd become prohibited in all grape products. So there, you could force him to, to override the Neziros because it'll weaken him. So the Bumar says that's also an ukimta because again, Maybe you come up with a case by Nidarim, He's starving. And there's only one grape seed left in the house. There's no other food. And if he doesn't eat this, he's going to become weak and he's not going to perform as well. So, again, based on your logic, it's not a good reason to distinguish between Nidarim and Naziris. So, Elam Rava, rather Rava explains, you have to reinterpret. What, what, what does it mean in the Braisa that says distinction between Naziris and Nidarim? It, and originally we interpreted it to mean is that he could override Naziros, he cannot override the Nedarim or eruchin of the slave. Now we're saying that's not the Pshat. The Pshat is he has to override. What does it mean? We're gonna change the gearson now. Ela Omar Rover like this or the interpretation. What does the master need to override him, or need to force him to override? That's Leniziros. That's in regards to Niziros. Meaning, his Neziros is binding, requiring the override of the master. But his Nidarim and erachin, he doesn't even need to because they're not binding. That's what the brisa means to say. Interesting, he throws that in here. But it doesn't need to override Nedarim or shvuah, And we'll explain in a moment why that is, but we're reinterpreting the Bryson now. It's not saying, as we interpreted originally, he's allowed to override Naziris and not Nedarim and Shvuah He doesn't need to override Nedarim and Shvuah because the the, the, the evids Nedarim and Shvuah are not legally binding in the first place. The Naziris, which is binding, the Torah tells you that he has the ability to override. So more wants to know, well, what's the makar for this? What would be the makar that the Naziris is effective and he can override, but but the nadarim and Shvuos of a slave are not effective and therefore there's no need for an override. So my taima, to Amar Kruk, as the Pasuk tells us in regards to Shvuos, it says, lahara <laughs> It says, <it> says uh, Lahara <laughs> elaheitiv, the Pasuk tells us that Shvuos are able to be made lahara, <laughs> to do bad, or <laughs> or to do good. And the way we interpret the Pasuk is as follows. Mahatovarishus, <laughs> just as when it comes to doing good, you're only allowed to, you, you are allowed to do that on things that you have Uh, permission over, ability over. Af rishus. Also when it comes to negative things, you're only allowed to make a shvua on something that you have permission to do which excludes the ability to make a shvua that is negative against other people, that you're not allowed to do that because you're going to harm somebody else. If you're going to harm or bother somebody else, you don't have reshus over that. You don't have authority over that. And such a shvua is not going to be binding. Now you have to add in, what's the pshat here? The pshat's like this, is that that would mean I'm not allowed to make a shvua that I'm going to go hurt somebody. It's not an effective shua because that's la la'acherem. Similarly, if the slave makes a shvua or a there that he's going to be restricted from wine by weakening his own cons- consistency, by making himself weaker, it's negative for whom? For the master. So, therefore, that type of a shvua wouldn't be effective. And you have to add in a couple of steps here. The mufarshim speak out. Since nidarim are compared to shvuos, so therefore we see just as such a shvua wouldn't be effective, such a neder would also not be effective. However, this is what the rush speaks out by niziros, we find niziros could even be binding against a mitzvah. If a person makes Naziris and he's overriding certain mitzvahs that require him, let's say, to drink wine in certain scenarios, it is effective. So, therefore, for a slave to make a Naziris which might go against his master, well, if it's effective against the mitzvah, it also would be effective if it would negatively impact his master. However, since the Pasik says, nafsho, what does it teach us? That the master has the ability then to override the Naziris that his slave has made. So, therefore, we've shown all the Makaras for these steps. Yeah. Also You know, biado means in, in his, in his authority. Be, rishus biado means that the, the um, rishus, the authority is in his ability. Meaning it can't oh, be something he that has, he's... He, he right, right. Not that he is... Right, exactly. All right, last point of the deal. Let's go to the third point here. Let's go through this quickly because Shachas is coming up. Says the Mishnah. So let's say you have a scenario like that. You have a case, slave made a nazirus and the master overrode the nazirus. And then, slave threw a fit. I don't know he was upset he didn't get the cereal I liked in the morning. And so what happened, me punav, the slave ran away. So now the slave ran away. Now we're interpreting, we're assuming, now what does it mean? He, he ran away entirely, he ran away. So says the Mishnah, the Shila now is like this, so long as he was owned by the master, the Naziris was overridden and he was allowed to drink wine. Now that he's ran away, do we say that he's still allowed to drink wine as if he's still under the ownership of that master? Or do we say, what kicks in now? The Naziris, and he's prohibited in wine now. That's the Shiloh. Rabbi Meir says he cannot drink wine. Rabbi Meir says the nazirus kicks in, and now he's no longer able to drink. Now he's no longer allowed to drink wine because he's a nazir. Rabbi Yosi says he can continue to drink wine. We still look at him as owned by the master, and the nazirus being overrode by the master, and the Meili could still drink wine. Says the Gemara, what's the basis of the Machlaikis here? Very interesting. Let's say that the debate, Remeir and Rabiosi in our Mishnah, is contingent on a psaq of Shmuel, which we'll see more in Meseches Gitin. The Amr Shmuel, Shmuel says the following. Now, we know that the halacha is like this. When you own an Evet Kenani, there's actually two types of restrictions you own that Evet Kenani for. There's momenus, you own his value, but there's also isser. There's a certain level of prohibition. For example, an Evet Kenani can't marry a Jewish girl, just as an example. So the Gemara over there speaks about how when you free an Eved Kanani, which you're not allowed to do. Somebody came over to me and asked me this on Shabbos. I don't want to get into it because we don't have time. But when you free an Eved Kanani, generally what do you have to do? You have to give him a Shtar Shechra. You have to give him a document of freedom. Similar to a get, meaning a man divorcing his wife. Similar idea. So... When it comes to an Evit Kenani, to properly free the Evit Kenani, for him to go free completely and becomes Jewish actually, you give a Shtar Shichra. Shmuel says, <coughs> even if you just mafkir your Evit Kenani, you make him not yours anymore, ownerless. That's effective. You don't even need a Shtar Shichra. So the Gemara is going to try to say like this, perhaps we can interpret the Machlok as our Meir and our Biosi and our Mishnah based on Shmuel. When the slave runs away automatically, or you're, you're Meyayish. You say, what does Yish mean? Yeah. You say that, right, exactly. You give up hope of getting him back. You despair. Despair is akin to hefker. And therefore, the mahlukis would be contingent. Is that effective without a star shechor? So the Gemara says like this, Let us say that shmul is the basis of our mahlukis. If someone is mafker, a slave, Makes him ownerless, the slave is free, he does not require a document of freedom. Rameir is Slade Shmuel. so Rameir holds of the opinion of Shmuel. therefore Rameir says that the slave can no longer drink wine. Why can he no longer drink wine? Because now the Naziris kicks in because he's considered entirely free without a get as well. rabiosi less Shmuel. Yosi disagrees. He says he needs a star shechor, and therefore, even if you've been mafkir or meyayish, means you've been despaired of hope, nonetheless, he still needs a document to be properly free, and therefore he can't drink wine because he's still considered owned. So the Gemara says, Lo, that's not necessarily the shmul. Perhaps everybody agrees to shmul. And therefore, even without a document, he would be considered free, and he'd be prohibited in wine because the Naziris would kick in. Ella, the Gemara, is going to explain is the case over here in our Mishnah, perhaps it's not where he gives up hope. Who says it's where he despairs? Maybe it's where he knows this guy gets upset, like I said. He didn't get his breakfast cereal. He knows this guy... He's moody. And he knows the slave runs away, but he's going to come back. He knows that. That's understood. And therefore, the machlokis really is based on the thought process of the master. Listen to this. It's fascinating. According to Rabbi Yosiu, says the slave can drink wine. Meaning, it's like he's still owned. What's the logic in that? Savar, because the master thinks to himself, sof, sof, Asigabe. Right. He's going to come back to me. No question. Right. So, chamra, I prefer him to drink wine ki so that he shouldn't become weakened. Their wine, apparently, like vodka to the Russians, apparently it gives strength. It gives, move on. So therefore, the Gemara says "Is It's logical, then, that he should be allowed to continue drinking so that the master-slave doesn't become weakened according to mayor? he cannot drink wine. Sover the master thinks to himself, La it's better that the slave should be in pain and not drink wine, not have the ability so to drink wine. So he does come back. So therefore it's a it's a push in the right direction. That's why Remeyer says he can't drink wine. Stopping the bottom of San base. Ezra Shem will pick up tomorrow.